Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. If you're Nick Cesario and your owner's on your ass to get a quarterback, then maybe you would give up a few more assets to get one. But to me, it's not worth it. You're going to have to give away next year's one. You want to give away next year's one for these quarterbacks? I don't want to pick them where they are, let alone give away next year's one. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, yeah. how are we doing, man? It's draft week. We're officially here. Got still a couple more podcasts to go great, before we start picking play out players. But uh, It's an man, awesome week. It's a always fun time, a good huh? week. Yeah, it's a great week. I mean, you know, it, it, this is a nostalgic week for me. You know, I can still remember being in the first draft room in my my life you know i i can remember you know going into new york as a college student at hofstra you know i never got up at three in the morning for anything and yet i would get on that train and sit there and i met the great joel bush bomb in that five in the sheridan and then you know literally the chills in my i thought about this today driving to work the chills in my body when i was in the 84 draft room which wasn't a really draft room we were at 7-Eleven of Atta Street in San Francisco, which was in Redwood City. And the team meeting room, which was really small, had a partition in it. And, and it would go offense, defense, and then it would become a team meeting room. It was really tiny. And after the season was over, it became the draft room. And we would hang boards in the room. And I can remember my first draft being in there in 84, uh, the Jerry Rice draft, where we traded up to get Jerry Rice and, and, and 12 rounds and you know, all the stuff that goes on, you know, driving in there at two in the morning because the draft started at five and, you know, Bradford Dillman, the movie, do you know who Bradford Dillman is? No. So he's this old time 
actor. He was on a bunch of like FBI. He was a character actor back mm -hmm. in the 60s and 50s. Really, he's still alive, but he was truly a draftnik. And Coach Walsh would let him in the room and he would sit in there the entire draft, the entire draft. And, and, he, and after the 86 draft, in about the 10th round, ninth round, you know, he'd just sit in there and we had run out of picks of players because we went, that was the draft. We had all these great picks. And he asked Bradford Dillman who he wanted to pick. And Bradford Dillman literally just whipped out of his briefcase, you know, briefcase. He had this whole thing written up that who he wanted to pick. And, and he had the greatest line of all time. And, and he talked about this deep nose tackle named Harold Hallman from Auburn. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he had a line in there. He gets more penetration than Warren Beatty at a sorority party, which I thought was as brilliant of a line as anything. We did draft him. He ended up going to Canada, made all Canada. I think he might be in the Canadian Hall of Fame. He was an undersized nose tackle. But those kind of memories, you know, that you think of the day, you can remember calling players on the phone and making their lives, like, rejoice. You know, I want to put Coach Walsh on the phone or here's Coach Belichick or – you know, it's mm -hmm. just to me, this is what this magical moment is all about. Of course, we're going to have to go through all the depressing things too, Femi. You know, we're going to have to see oh, about no. whose dog died and, <laughs> you know, going to get tears oh, I, out. I think we have multiple feeds because I know NFL Network, they have a feed. ESPN has a feed and ABC has a separate feed. So there's like three different. And none of those feeds, feeds will have anybody who's been in a room before, <laughs> like literally in the room. Well. Your, your boy might be on one of them. Who? Danny O today. Another guy. Somebody sent me his, his – on GetUp, he said that Richardson is the best player in the draft and that he should go number two overall. I mean, like, you, you just see – I think you can speak to this, and I would love you to become Twitter Femi when I ask you this question, okay? <laughs> okay. Because remember, we've got people at home. Uh, we have two Femis here, two faces of us. <laughs> oh, two faces. Two, we have uh, two faces of eyes. Femi has this Twitter he, where he's – I love that Twitter, Femi. It's strong. It's powerful. It's, it's opinionated. Of, yeah. It's, a little, it's an edge to it. There's a little, a little Jersey edge to it, which I kind of like. You got a little Route 9 in you, you know? And then there's the nice Femi who's sitting next to me and doesn't really want to – but I want the Twitter Femi. He, you've gone through – I sent you our scouting manual. Yep. And you've kind of gone through it extensively. Mm-hmm. And I, we were discussing this before we started. How do you grade Richardson? How do you grade him to be the second player overall? And my point in bringing up Dan O is he has no idea about a grading system. So when he's talking on Get Up or whatever show he's on, he doesn't understand the league. He doesn't understand that personnel is a business. It's, it's how to procure talent. You have to have a grading system. So when he makes a ridiculous statement like he makes – He's, he just shows his ignorance of never having been in the league or understanding what it takes to run an NFL team. That's the problem. That's why I, I say when they have people up on the draft set, they have nobody who's been in the They have nobody who's really written a grading system. Your thoughts? You know, Richardson, I think, would obviously be in the developmental category, but I would also give him the chance to improve. So that's where I see Richardson. I'm like, this is a developmental player, which in the grading system, 6-1, yeah. and that is below like all the starter levels because you can't project what's going to happen because players, you know, you never know. It could be positive, it could be negative, what they'll end up doing. So you talk about a 6-1 player here who is below sufficient starters, below circumstantial starters, or good quality backup quarterbacks, according to the system here, and you probably can't pick them that high, but however... And here's where I will kind of modify the grading system to my own little spin here. You want a little bit of spice. I do believe that you have to have some room for projection because we're drafting just not just for this year, but for beyond that. 
And I think somebody like Richardson, if developed correctly in the right system, now you might ask, what system is that? Let's go to the six-back offense, can turn into a quarterback that is very productive in the NFL. That grading system was written in 1991 before Richardson was even born. That was written before he was even born. And the reason it was written before he was being born is because there has been players like him before. And the reason that's been written before he was born is because there has been an overwhelming reality that those players have a hard time achieving that goal. There's a reason it's there. And you used a great word. You said, I would make an exception. The, the idea of scouting is to eliminate exceptions. Because when you start to make exceptions, you become a team of exceptions. Okay, so the reason that that is there isn't because we had an idea sitting on First Avenue in Berea, Belichick and I, and said, well, we need to put this category. No, 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 no. No, that was there because of the history. Remember, everything that you do in life, the creative process, is stolen from someone else. You, you know, you steal ideas. So we didn't just come up with this grading system on our own one day. This is stolen from the Cowboys, the great Gil Brandt, and hopefully he's doing well today, and I'll miss Gil. You know, he's not going to do the draft. But his system in Dallas in the early 60s, Bucko Kilroy, who I write about in my next book about the process. So this is over history. So when you use the word exception – you're right, it is, but the reason it's there is because we've gone through this before. There's been too many fatalities of mm. people believing what you just said. And that's all it's trying to do, is trying to minimize your mistakes. And my point is, is I could care less what Dan's entitled to his opinion. My point is simply this. If you do not have a grading system, if you don't understand a grading system, if you don't apply a grading system then basically you have all this A, B, C. You just, it's, it's just a random act, yeah. and there's no continuity. Of course, now when he's done the draft on Saturday, he goes off to live his – nobody's going to call him back on that. Whereas if you're in the league, you get your ass fired. No, you definitely will get fired in the league. I think that's really something that you've been harping on all throughout this process is the fact that where does this player grade, not just in comparison to the other guys in the class, but in comparison to other guys in the league, because that's ultimately who you should be judging them against here. And I, I want to ask you that because that will lead us into our first topic here on the pod is Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback. Because over the weekend, the betting market went heavy on Will Levis to go number two overall. Now, it's not of the same uh, prohibitive favorite as a Bryce Young right now, who's, mm-hmm. I believe, minus 2,000, minus 1,600, depending on wherever you yeah, get yeah. Your, 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 uh, your, your betting in. But Will Levis right now is the new odds-on favorite to be the second overall pick at minus 145, minus 140, somewhere around there. Houston currently has that number two pick. When you talk about Levis, and we've had discussions about him on the show, we go back to the grading system. You have said that Will Levis doesn't really stack up to a quarterback who should be picked that high. Why do you think he might end up being picked that high if the betting market does know indeed that he will go in the top two? Because I think anytime you have decisions making involved, you have bias. You have predetermined agenda. So one thing the draft has done is it has forced outside factors to influence the inside factors. It's a dangerous thing. And so what I believe has happened over the weekend, and once this story broke last week that Houston didn't want to take a quarterback, I think the owner of the Texans basically listened to the outrage that was going on in his community and his fan base And I think he probably went back and said, guys, can't we revisit this? Isn't there somebody else we could take? Isn't there a way we could do it? Now, every owner is going to deny that they do this, Mm -hmm. which is completely false, right? 
especially ones that listen to the media as much as they do in Houston, as much as they do in some other cities. I mean, they do listen. They listen to the media. And so I think there's outside factors. I think the one thing that's very challenging about the draft is to eliminate bias and outside factors, influencing your decision to move guys up. And I believe that that's really that's the only reason that, this, that Levis could move up. Because on, on on our grading system that we started in Cleveland in '91, Levis is a 59. He's a he's a hmm. he's a backup player who's going to be you know he's going to be in the bottom. It, you can't grade him that way. You you could see him somewhere else, but on a lot of boards, I bet he's a 59. And then you got to be really careful and comfortable that you can get him in and develop him. That's a challenge. And I'm going to read the description of, of a 59 player. This is 5.9 because you mentioned backup player, but just to give folks just sort of a glimpse about what this actually means. Here it is, career number two, backup quarterback with a developmental ceiling. Scout must define his ceiling slash reason that will not allow him to develop into a good quality backup or win with starter. This player may have one or more good level or better positional skills, but has at least one critical factor with a defined ceiling that will block his ability to ascend. What is that for Levis that you think is that's going to kind of block Poise. his ability? Poise. Poise. Decision making in a critical time. See that's see again. This this wasn't written. This was written before Levis was born. Yeah. So you're applying. So this is history. History's in this. This is we have seen players through the course of fifty years, sixty years, seventy years that have had these traits similar to Levis. You could say, well, the game's different now. Okay, I, I, there's some similarities, but it is different. Mm -hmm. That's why you have it. That describes him perfectly. If you if you if you say he's different than that, you got to prove it. You just can't say it. You got to prove it. You got to say, okay, here's why. There's no evidence. Uh, the draft is, unfortunately, the draft is it, you have no confidence without evidence. You need evidence. You need something in there. Now, if there was a game or two where he was Joe Montana, you know, leads his team constantly back. There's evidence of that. He got picked in the third round. He got picked in the third round. Arm strength. So that's why the system's in place. The system's in place because this isn't the first time we've seen a player like Will Levis. Mm. The, the evidence is there with Bryce Young. That yeah, would be yeah. I mean, take a look at the Iron Ball from a couple years ago. Take yeah. a look at the SEC title game against Georgia. There's a plenty of evidence, which is why we believe he's going to go number one overall, and the betting markets believe that as well. We're going to talk more about some players, and we're going to pick some players and try to find some good matchups for these guys here as we're rolling along here on the GM Shuffle. Don't you go away. It's going to be a lot of fun here coming up next with Michael Lombardi. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds, and so much more. As the first round continues on, you can bet sides, totals, player props, everything at your disposal over on DraftKings. All you have to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHUFFLE. New customers bet 5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SHUFFLE only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino. 
Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, Michael. Now that it's draft week, everyone is putting out their draft content. I yeah. was reading earlier this morning, up and at it early in the morning. Were you? I had like three different publications. Like, wow, everyone is, it's almost like there was an alarm or, or some sort of alert set. It's all right, notifications, send it out. 5 a.m. West Coast time. We'll have all the draft content out there. I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts. We're seeing all sorts of big boards and all that. So we figured, being this Monday of the draft week, that we would do something. But we're going to do a little bit of spin on it. It's not okay. going to be your typical mock draft that you see at every other place. This is going to be kind of Michael's, if in the room, in the war room, because you have sat in that room, you've had to make those selections, what would you do with each one of these teams? Right. I so, think that's kind of how we lay it out. All right, so let's paint the room a little bit, because I mm-hmm. don't think fans really get a chance to understand the room. So there is two boards in every draft room. All right, so there is the vertical board, which is the players lined up by the definition of the grading system. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's the seven O's, the six O. It's not done by rounds, it, at least the way we did it in Cleveland and the way they do it in New England now, and I'm sure in Houston and in Las Vegas and other places that have been in that system. So the, on the side of the board is the, is the grades. Uh, on the on the top of the board are the positions. And then the vertical board is the they're aligned by the grades. Mm-hmm. And then there's the horizontal board, which is comparing the the running back to the tight end, if they're in the same category, who's better? So that's the horizontal board. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be able to see. So that that the one board is vertical, the other board is horizontal, and then on the sideboard. You basically have you have every team, and then you have all their team needs. So, for example, you might have Arizona. They need an outside defensive lineman. They need a cor- they need an offensive. They need a corner. They need an inside tackle. They need a wide receiver. You list all their needs, okay? Mm-hmm. And you kind of have that going across. So you're looking at that all the time, and then you're coming. Then you have the needs by the position. So who needs a quarterback? And then you tag all those teams. So now you've got those two boards. And then you have your then on the final board, you have all the players ranked one through two to most teams have like 110 players on the board. Mm-hmm. So one through 110. And then then that's how they're stacked. And then if you get to the situation where okay, we have a chance to take player Y or player X, they're both the same grade, who's actually the better player? And you want, to, you want to be able to make that decision before the heat of the battle. And then that's the three boards. And so you sit in there, and I think when you see all those people in the room, not everybody has had influence on all those boards. The pro department handles the team needs board. You know, the college scouts do the one board. But then the horizontal board is really done by the decision makers. Like, who is actually making this decision? And the stacking of the positions are done by the decision makers. So there's like three separate boards within there and the different departments. And then who actually is making the call? So you mentioned, let's say, comparing the running back to the tight end. They have similar grades. How do you make that compare? Is it positional value? Like, how do you ultimately make the decision? Well, a lot of it is positional value, right? Or could if we take the, if we take the inside defensive tackle, for example, and you know we want we need a running back, but there's three running backs we like, but there's only one tackle we like. Mm. So you might say, okay, we're going to take the tackle. 
or you just say, hey, look, this ta- you know this running back is graded higher than we have. We got to take him. Then it's easy. But when they're all the kind of the same, somebody's got to make that horizontal call. Like, is this going to be valuable? The reason teams trade down is they trade down because there's a player, there's there's a cluster of players that they like. They don't know who it is. They don't know what position it'll be, but they're willing to take an extra pick. They're going to get somebody that they like. It may be, you know, we have five guys we like and there's seven picks to go. We'll get one of those five, one of those guys, and then you trade down. But if you only have one guy, it's hard to trade down. Yeah. Then you need some sort of a massive haul or something like that. Then you say, look, we can't, you know, we're ta- we're going to we're going to make the pick here. Yeah. All right. Well, that, I think that's a, that's a good way to kind of set the stage for us here because we're going to talk about these teams inside the top 10 right. and what you would do in the room if you were the decision maker here. So let's go to Charlotte, North Carolina, Michael. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this is really easy. I think this has been easy all along. Look, they Carolina needs a quarterback. We, we make no mistake about that. They're going to pick Bryce Young. I think they become a really good team with Bryce Young. I'm not saying they become a, an elite team, but I think they become a good team. I think Bryce Young is ready to play right now. I think if you read the grading system, he's either a six nine or a seven zero in the grading mm-hmm. system. Uh, you know he'll have a he'll have a, a a size he'll have an X on it, which means he's undersized for the position. So he'll have one letter, but the reality of it is 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 he makes them legitimate. And with their running game and their ability to block up front with what they've done with their offensive line, they need a receiver still. They need other pieces. And defensively. You know, they got a chance to be good. They were good last year. If they can keep J.C. Horn and Jackson, their two corners, better, healthy. Derek Brown played better. They need another rusher to go along with Brian Burns, but I think this gives them a step in the right direction. And for the grading system right here, the 6-9 to 7-0, you guys outlined some of the categories that guys need to excel in. That's leadership, decision-making, overall accuracy, and clutch production. If you watched any college football the last two years. (laughs) Once again, the system was – that was written before Bryce Young was born. That's the key point to understand here is because – there isn't just like Bryce Young isn't unique. You know, Will Levis isn't unique. There have been other guys similar to him. As I've said many times, the FBI doesn't start looking for serial killers in the phone book. There's a profile. And so profiling is what really is scouting all about. You've got a profile. That's, the, that's really what happens oftentimes, Femi, is mm-hmm. the profiling of the players, especially when you're a team that's used to doing things one way, like the Giants, for example, have you know this system is very giant friendly. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much from the Giants because of Belichick and George Young, and he got it from the 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 Bucko Kilroy element. You know when you're used to that size speed thing, you know, and you built your program on that, you're used to looking at that. So when they hire different coaches that are not familiar with that system, it, it takes some time to train them. You know, Parcells, you know, when he was there in the early 80s, he kind of, that was his foray into it. Plus, he knew Al, so Al taught him. So it was a, it was a symmetrical <clears throat> thing for him to balk into, you know. Mm-hmm. But then as you've changed to Jim Fossil or to these other coaches, you, you have to spend time educating them. Because trust me, I can tell you this, there's no coach that really understands the grading system. None of, none of the position coaches, don't even give it to them. It's, it's way too complex for them. It really is because that's not their job. Yeah. Their job is just to maybe hone in on one position and, and master it. Grade them up. Tell me what you think. Well, let's uh, let's coach up D'Amico Ryans down in Houston. First year head coach, Nick Casario, come over from New England using the system here. And when we look at our options at number two, Bryce Young, the preferred quarterback option off of the board. Right. What do we do here? I think if I were if I were Nick, I would take t- I would take the Wilson kid, who's who I was told last night that he's been cleared on pretty much everybody has the same medical grade now, mm. that he's going to be fine. I would take Wilson 
And I would tell the owner, look, let me take Wilson here and I'll do everything I can at 12 to get up to get a quarterback. It might be Richardson. It might not be Levis. I don't know. But I think I can get up to seven. I think I can get up to six. I think I can get up there and I'll take a quarterback there. Just give me the chance to get a proven player here at two and we'll take the chance at quarterback. I think to me, when you have two picks as close as Nick does together, you, you have to marry the picks. You've got to marry the pick. And so you, you know you're not going to get Wilson at 12, right? Mm-hmm. But you probably could have options at quarterback at 12. You might have – I think there's a really good chance you get – C.J. Stroud makes it to 12. Mm-hmm. I think there's a really good chance Richardson makes it to 12. So you may not have Levis at 12, but you'll have somebody. And so to me, I would try to sell – if the owner's pushing you to take a quarterback, I would sell that. I would trade whatever it took me to get up to satisfy the owner and have two and have knowing I got a good player and take the chance on the quarterback. So I would take, I think I would do Wilson there. I I would really work hard on trying to get 12 moved up. And I think what Nick would do, if he can't move 12 up, he'll move 12 back. Is it easy to convince an owner on that saying like, Hey, we know that you want us to get a quarterback here, but this Wilson kid is our foundational defensive player. Like we need, like how easy is that to, make that sales pitch to the owner who's hearing all the noise that we talked about from the radio stations, yeah. the, the bloggers, it's hard. The, everyone's it's, it's really hard. It's a challenge, but I think he has to do it. I think he can't let the owner kind of mess up his draft. Look, the owner, Nick's hired three coaches now, right? And, and the owner's been involved. And I think the owner has driven two of the hires, you know, and, and look, D'Amico, Sean Payton wouldn't be in the league today if D'Amico takes the Denver. D'Amico had the Denver job. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had the Denver job. And so he turned it down to take the Houston job. So, you know, D'Amico's got to help Nick out here too. Yeah. He's got to help him out here. Look, we can't just be, we can't be short-sighted here and give Nick the chance to move up from 12. I think that would be my play. I would want to marry those two picks together. And if the owner's that insistent on getting a quarterback, then, you know, I would try to trade up at 12 and just say, okay, I can get to eight. I can get to Atlanta. Eight, you know, it's going to cost me – I'll even overpay for it. I'll even overpay for it. Mm-hmm. What if uh, D'Amico says, all right, Cal, I hear you. You want us to get a quarterback. Hey, Nick, we both are familiar with Mac Jones in New England. I worked with, uh, with, 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 uh, with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan had a lot of good stuff to say about Mac Jones. You've worked with New England. You know Nick Saban. I know Nick Saban. I played at Alabama. I still have close ties to that program. I hear only good things about Mac Jones. Do we do we get involved with the trade to New I, England? I think I think a lot of the Levis in. movement that we didn't talk about in the first block. Yeah. The Levis movement was because they had will Le- they had Levis in the New England, mm-hmm. so that naturally prom- uh, promoted a rumor that they would trade up. I, I think that's really not true. I think that's okay. a complete fallacy. I think look, Mac Jones had a really good rookie year, had a really bad second year. I don't think they know who they are, but I would say this. I have a sense that they probably feel this is a one quarterback draft like I do. Mm. And there's no way, no one, as you read the grade, there's no way they could have Levis using that grading system. They could have Levis graded high enough to go up and get him. I think they brought him in to do their due diligence, which you should do for every player. You should do it for every single player, especially a quarterback. Yeah. But we have said, though, teams don't really mess around with these because you only get 30 of these visits. So you can't just go out well, that, there. But that's, do... a, that's a critical visit because you, you basically want to spend time because you might have to play against this guy. What happens if he goes to Indianapolis and you're the Patriots? You, gotta, you usually play Indy all the time. 
we know this kid. We kind of have a feel for this kid. It's really a smart maneuver. It's not wasting a 30 pick. Okay. No, I, I think the, the chances are that one of these AFC South teams is going to get a quarterback is pretty darn high. It feels like whether it's Houston or Tennessee or yeah. Indianapolis, like hell, they all three might get new quarterbacks based on the way the draft has fallen here. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals are in an interesting spot. We will get to the Cardinals because right now we have Bryce Young off the board. We have Tyree Wilson off the board. The Cardinals have talked about pass rusher. They also have a quarterback who's coming off an ACL injury that they got to protect. Maybe just maybe they look at guys who can block those pass rushers or they try to bail out of there and move because we know the for sale sign is up in Glendale, Arizona. They want to get out of that pick at number three. We'll talk about that pick, but we're going to take a quick break here. This is the GM Shuffle presented by DraftKings and Visa. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Let's keep it rolling with our discussion yeah. about these teams in the top 10. Once again, this is not a mock draft. This is more so kicking around scenarios. Yeah. I think it's all what ba- the conversations like in based the on need and decision making. Yeah. Now, we got Monty at Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no real history. And, and one of the things I think people don't realize is, is most teams keep track of at least we did in, in New England, we did in Cleveland, is you keep track of how many picks this general manager uses, what's the philosophy. Mm-hmm. You basically want a write-up of the GM. You want to be able to say, okay, this is, the, this is who he is. And then you also want to basically go through every single trade that this individual made over his career. You know, and so you have an idea about what, what you're dealing with, and so you can sit there and say, okay, this guy's made – you know, 13 draft day trades. Okay, right, let's take Eric DaCosta. He's made 13 trades during his career. You know, three of them he's traded up. He's never he's never traded a four future pick, you know. And so of the four trades he's made, uh, trade up, he's traded four times up, three times down, and one time he's traded for a player. So you, you have this history in front of you. Mm-hmm. So you know the person. Monty Ostendorf it, it, there at... Uh, at Arizona, you don't have a history with him. You know he's from the New England system. He's within Tennessee. So he's kind of been with – it was with Charlie Casherly down in Houston. So he's been with different things. This will be all need-based, right? This is going to be need-based. And I think they have they have, a, they have huge needs. They need, a, they need a rusher. They need a corner. They need an inside guy. You know, I think they'll take Will Anderson because he's safe. Mm-hmm. But to me, if I, were, if I were Monty, I would take Carter. I think one of the things we don't there's a couple mis, misconceptions in the in the National Football League as it relates to personnel, like the number one receiver. You and I've had this debate before. Yep. There's very few number one receivers in the league. A lot of good receivers in the league, mm-hmm. but true number ones, there's very few. There's very few great three techniques in the league. Three technique is a very very challenging position to satisfy. You know, we think we have it, but we really don't. You know, it's like there, for every Aaron Donald and Warren Sapp, there's generations of draft picks that go through. 
This three technique is really hard because you want somebody who can control the line in the run game. You want somebody who can power the guard back. You want somebody who can rush the passer and get into the paint. There's not a lot of human beings on planet Earth that can do those three things, right? It's hard to find guys like that. That's why, to me, you know, Jalen Carter would be my pick for Arizona. If I were running the team, I think they'll pick Will Anderson because there's always going to be another Will Anderson. There's not gonna, you might go another 10 years before you get another Jalen Carter. It's like Jordan Davis last year. For him to be the 14th pick overall in the draft is absurd because there's very few human beings, his size, his speed. That's what Al Davis used to say all the time. Oh, fuck, guys. The, the, how many humans are like that? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how many human beings are this big, this fast, and can do that? And, and Al was kind of a little bit of from your vein. You got to get him to do We got to get him to do it. But when you get really big, really fast, and explosive like Jordan, da- like uh, like Davis, and then, of course, Jalen Carter, you got to take him. I, I mean, here, I'll, I'll give him Anderson. I think Carter should be the pick there. Well, it's it's your scenario, so we can give him Carter here. I'll give him Carter there. Yeah, let's give yeah, him Jalen Carter. I, I, I'll give him Carter there. Now, I, it just makes more sense. I And it's the, you know, to me, whether you need an outside rusher or an inside rusher, take the one that's harder to get. Mm-hmm. Again, three techniques are hard to find. And we always talk about it. Every single quarterback says, I hate interior pressure. Yeah, I can handle does. guys on the edge. I can step up in the pocket. But if you get into my lap, it makes my life difficult. I don't know why. The, and we're seeing defensive tackles now this pain. offseason have been getting paid. So the maybe pain, that rises the, the pain is the, the, the pain is where it is. I don't understand if you're a young coach or a defensive line coach in college football, you need to be able to, in your pass rush drills, they always have those lanes, you know, pass mm-hmm. rush lanes. You need to educate the players in the paint. Not enough players understand the paint. We know the paint in basketball, right? Yeah. We know how to get in the paint. And B doesn't know how to get in the paint, but everybody else does, right? 15-footer. You, you know, I mean, yeah, fadeaway 15-footer. You know, but you you got to be able to get in the paint, right? You got to get into that paint. And so when you do that, you be, you affect the quarterback. And sacks are great, but affecting the quarterback is what it, what it matters. Now let me play the role, since you're Monty Austin for it. I'll play the role of Jonathan Gannon. Pew, 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 pew. We're going to make some explosive plays here. Uh, this is our first pick, Monty. Our first time as, as, as the regime of the Cardinals, we need to get somebody who's safe. Yeah. Are we comfortable with what Carter has off the field? Because let's talk about this. Our facilities in Glendale, Scottsdale's not too far away. That's yeah, a nightlife know, area. I know, you know, like, I know. Can, can That's why I gave him handle? originally. I gave him Will Anderson. Because can this I, player handle it? I think they'll be scared of Carter. I think they'll be scared of Carter. I think Monty will be want to play it safe down the fairway. Although your boy, Jonathan Gannon, we wrote about him for the Daily Coach today. I mean, he, you know, that press conference he had last week, you know, where he lied and, and you know, the, the Philly media called him out on it. Look, I did, I do radio every Friday in Philly and, you know, they were always on Jonathan as I was because I thought he was too vanilla. But, you know, when he, when he cites stats like he did, it's wrong. And I think it's further proof, Femi, that I know we think this guy becomes a head coach He's ready for the job. And I, I don't understand why coaches like Jonathan Gannon don't have somebody outside the building coaching them. Like, there is a business for coaching, 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 coaches. And a guy like Gannon really needs a coach. The daily coach. Well, yeah, but he needs somebody every day. He needs somebody, like, like we only write 500 words a day. Like, he needs somebody in his ear. <laughs> like, Jonathan, more. here's what you need. You're messaging here. Like, to me, for for if I were Gannon and I just got – Five six million dollars to be a head coach, I'd hire a personal coach. I'd pay him two hundred grand a year. What do you care? You, it's going to make you better. How would I handle this? What should I do in this? There's not enough of that. And and as we're getting younger in head coaching in the league, 
experience matters. You know, I mean, John Kennedy, when he was the president of the United States, hired Harold McMillan, the former prime minister of Great Britain, to give him advice and counsel because he wanted somebody that had been through the ropes before, somebody who had been through 50 years of a grading system before to give him some education. Not saying he's going to do what he wanted him to do, mm -hmm. but I think Gannon really blew it on that one. And now he's fighting from behind. Now he's perceived yeah. as a liar because he lied. You know, he, he pulled what they called in Great Britain a Ratner which is this guy, Gerald Ratner, who owned a jewelry company. And he was speaking to the economic summit in, in, in Royal Hall, 5,000 people there. And they asked him, you know, how do you make so much money on your, on your, on your jewelry? He says, because it's crap. This is basically crap. You know, it's all crap. We just sell crap jewelry and people love it. Well, you know what happened? His business, he went out of business six months later mm. because, you know, he, he told, you know, he, he did something he should never have done. Same thing again. He should never have said that. Like, you're not getting anywhere with that. You're not getting anywhere fighting the media, especially when you know they cover, they cover the, the, the press guy. Everything's documented and written. Yeah. And also, I don't know why you've been picking that battle. Like, you no longer work in Philly. Like, like, what, like what do you, what's the benefit? You, could, you, you know what the thing it tells me? It lets everybody know he's got rabbit ears, that he was listening to everything. Like, he was listening to everything. That's not a good sign either. That shows weakness in leadership. You're listening to every, if you knew they were saying that, that means you're listening to it. You can't let them know you even listen. Yep. That's the, the best way to, to combat that stuff is to ignore. As we say, ignore the trolls on Twitter. Uh, let them know that you're not listening. Let's keep it moving. Well, before, actually, before we keep it moving, because number three is a very, it's a spot where a lot of people are predicting a trade here. Carter there, Anderson there. Obviously, we're not going to predict any sort of trade here, but do you think that the, that phone is ringing or, or is Arizona just putting up that for sale sign, hoping and begging that somebody calls? I, I don't see how anybody – I've, I've said this all along. It's a one-quarterback draft, and I don't see how anybody could have a quarterback rated high enough to go up and give assets to do it. You're, you're, any quarterback you take after Bryce Young has a problem with them. So why would I attach assets? Now, if I said earlier in this pod, if you're Nick C Cesario – and your owner's on your ass to get a quarterback, then maybe you would give up a few more assets to get one. But to me, it's not worth it. Would you go from 12 to 3 if you're, if you're Nick? If I were Tennessee, if I was 12 to 3, no, I wouldn't. I mean, 11 if he, to 3, though, with Tennessee, who you just brought up. Yeah, but I, I mean, to me, ten, that's expensive. You're going to have to give away next year's one. You want to give away next year's one for these quarterbacks? I don't want to pick them where they are, let alone give away next year's one. <laughs> so maybe a second or third round draft choice. <laughs> All right, we'll keep it moving there. We'll give Carter to Arizona because this is your deal. Once again, you think that Anderson's probably going to be what they go since that's safer, yeah. but th this is our deal here. This is, this well, is I give him Anderson because I think no one – I'm going to stay with Anderson on, okay, on this because okay. I think Monty will be play it down the middle of the field. All right, so Monty's going to go ahead and just, you know, he's going to lay up <laughs> and take – See, here's the problem with Anderson. I, 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 let's make a prediction. What's today? Today, April 24th? Yep. I bet you Anderson doesn't get his fifth-year option picked up. Wow. Wow, you're willing to go that far, huh? I bet he don't. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have to make sure we keep this tape on. I mean, oh, Apple, trust me, Spotify, we got Twitter they, they, they reminders. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll clip this out for us. So four yeah. years from now, we'll see what happens with Will Anderson. The Colts at number four. A lot of people projecting Will Levis onto Indianapolis here. You will play the role of Chris Ballard, and I will play the role of, God forbid, <laughs> I'm Jim, Jim Mercer. Come I, in I, here. I this think, is a hypothetical, folks. <laughs> I think if I were Chris, if I were Chris Ballard, I would take an offensive tackle here. And I would go sign Lamar. That's what mm -hmm. I would do. I would, I, would, I would draft Paris Johnson, the left tackle at Ohio State, and then I would get on an airplane after that pick was done, and I'd go meet with Lamar, and I'd sign him, and I'd give, I'd give the Costa two number ones in the next two years, 
or whatever. I don't know if he could do it now because the draft's over. I don't. I think it closes down. I try to make a trade somehow for for Lamar. Got a left tackle now. I got a quarterback. I'm going to win the South, baby. I'm going to win the South. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. As Jim Mercer, I don't know about these guaranteed deals. I mean, there's no Lamar guarantee. Guy, I don't have to guarantee it. I'll skill. We'll stuff. skill guarantee it for. Th- we'll do a three year deal with them. We'll skill guarantee the whole thing. And the injury get will we'll injury guarantee the whole thing, and we'll skill it as it goes along, and we'll tell the kid exactly how it's going to go, and there we go. We'll make a deal with him. I got a quarterback. I'm going to win the South. I'm going to win the South. I make those two moves. I win the South. It's a little bit like when I play chess with Dominic. I can make two moves and get him in checkmate. Now I know he's five years old yeah, sorry, and he's Dominic. kicking and he's kicking my ass yeah, in chess. Yeah. But anyway, give it a few like, years and start like, waxing. <laughs> if I make these two moves, it's checkmate for the South. I get. I draft me a left tackle. I go trade for Lamar. I'm I'm in business, baby. You think season tickets wouldn't be buzzing in Indianapolis at that point? Lamar Jackson's a former MVP. That's that's music to my I get ears. A left as tackle the owner. from Ohio State. I got now. I got a really good offensive line. I got a I got a I got a quarterback on the carpet indoors. Watch out, man! I'm rolling. Okay, Paris but I think they'll take Levis. <laughs> what that said, he's like, well, let's give him Paris Johnson. Let's just let's mix it up here. Let's get spicy. Huh? All right, I give him Paris right, Johnson. Paris Johnson, Ohio right. State tackle. All right. So uh, our our producer Elliot Bowman and, a, and a Colts Pete, fan is now throwing go quick, his pen. We can go. We can go quickly here. <laughs> Pete is salivating. Seattle. Oh my God, he's sitting there saying, "You telling me you're giving me Jalen? I haven't had a three technique since Michael Bennett was in town." Are you kidding me? It's been a long time. It's been a long time in the Pacific Northwest. Now, as John Schneider, I will play the role of, hey, Pete, we, we, we got we got to talk about this. Pete here. knows how to manage, guys. We, we, we got to talk about one this. One thing about Pete. Pete Carroll at SC, Pete understands how to handle guys. Pete will get that. Pete will be, I mean, one thing about you got Pete Carroll as your head coach, you got a chance with this one. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to go to the Pacific Northwest next here on the GM Shuffle. to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, the things have changed in the Pacific Northwest because we made a little bit of revision to this draft here. We're going to have Jalen Carter go to the Cardinals at number three. Paris Johnson just went off the board at number four for the Indianapolis Colts. Only if we trade for Lamar, Only right? if we trade for Lamar. Yeah. With the contingency that we're going to trade for Lamar. So right. Jim, me, Jim Mercy, I'm, I'm excited. Former MVP. Season ticket holders. I'll be excited. Our You're going to win the South. Bowman. I'm going to give you the South right now. Checkmate. There it is. Hang the banner. Yeah. Print the shirts. We'll do it up. Uh, now with Seattle, Young, Wilson, Carter, Johnson off the board. Seattle sitting here at five. Pete Carroll, John Schneider having this discussion here right now. We got some. Big-time prospects still available, Alabama's Will Anderson, or maybe we go the quarterback route and have a developmental no. guy with Geno Smith as the spot no, starter in 2023. I think it's too too early to do that. They have an extra one. You know, I'm sure they are interested in the quarterback, but I, I just mm-hmm. don't see that there. But what I do see is them getting a blue-chip player that they feel like they could. I think it's either Weatherspoon or, Ryan, or, or Will Anderson. You know, there's t- you know, I could see them being like, look, we need an outside rusher who's a legitimate player. We'll get him going in our scheme. I, I would give them Will Anderson there. Mm. You know, I think they would love if Carter made it to him, just because I think he gives. Now I know they signed Demont, De, De, Demont Draymond uh, Jones. Draymond Jones mm-hmm. is the three technique, but you know you could never really have enough of them that would really make them a stronger team having those two guys inside. So, uh, but and you know I just don't see them taking a corner. I think Witherspoon would be a good consideration here. Mm-hmm. But I don't see them taking a corner based on the way Pete has been able to develop corners and find corners later in the draft. Schneider, they do a really good job of finding talent. So uh, 
my sense of it is, is I think that, you know, I think they would take Anderson here. All right. As John Schneider, Pete, I agree with you. Anderson is the cleanest player. We do need some edge rush. We need some pass rush because that was our one weakness on our defense last year. We couldn't get to the quarterback. However, we've been on this circuit for a long time looking at quarterbacks. And even when we had Russell Wilson, we looked at Patrick Mahomes. We liked him a lot. We passed because we had Russell Wilson. We looked at Josh Allen in Wyoming. We liked him a lot. We passed because we had Russell Wilson. We've been on the circuit this year. We've been taking selfies with all these guys. Levis is there. Richardson's there. Stroud is there. Is this the time? Is the iron hot right now? Do we got to strike right now with the quarterback? Because we can, we can give these guys a lot of, a lot of time to develop and, I, I, and sit behind Geno Smith now. I think if they felt that really, if they felt that strongly about the player, maybe that makes sense. I, I guess what I'm seeing this is through my eyes. I don't feel that strongly. Now, maybe John does. You know, and that's what makes every every draft interesting is because there's always going to be discon, disargue, there's always going to be a a dis uh, approval of certain players. Mm-hmm. You know, I see this guy this way, you see him that way. So I can't see that from my eyes. It, would it shock me if it happened? Yeah, because I think you to me, John's really smart and John knows talent, and I think that you know he see he's got to see the problems in it. In the in this whole thing, they still like Drew Locke. I know that's crazy, know, but they, they still they do. do. They do. But I mean, I just feel like you're wasting this. This is an opportunity to get a front seven player in your defense. Look, every team in the league hopes they take a quarterback because it means one more player to them. I mean, mm-hmm. the, every team in the league picking, let's say you know, seven and back. They want the first they want they want Mel Kuyper's draft where quarter quarterbacks go one, two, three, four. That's that would be utopia for every team. Because now we're going to get a really good player. We're going to get a defensive player. The concern you have if you're picking in the bottom of the top ten is you're not going to get a defensive player. Because there's really there's three defensive players that move the needle. There's Witherspoon, there's Carter, and some would say Anderson. I wouldn't. And Tyree Wilson. So there's four. I think there's three. Well, let's take Will Anderson here. Okay. We'll, we'll go take Will Anderson. We'll, we'll, we'll play it safe. We'll add to this defense, and we'll try to get after the quarterback in the NFC West. Now on the clock, the Detroit Lions. As we're trying to continue to restore the roar in Motor City, we've done a lot of good stuff patching yeah. up that secondary, but maybe we try to add uh, and, and, and strengthen the strength here in, in the Motor City. I, I think their number one need is corner. I think they'll take Witherspoon. Tough. Everything Campbell represents, Weatherspoon has. So I think this is an easy pick for them. I think they'll take Weatherspoon. I think it makes sense for them. I think Aaron Glenn would say, okay, finally I have a corner like Lattimore that I can kind of roll the coverage away from him and mm-hmm. win one-on-one. It gives me some flexibility. I don't really, you know, would, would I would rather have an outside pass rusher? Yeah, but Wilson's gone. Anderson's gone. Yeah. I'll take the corner. Why Witherspoon over Gonzalez? I, I think I'm, a, I'm not a lover of Gonzalez. I, Gonzalez would remind them too much of Jeff Okuda. Mm. He's there, but he's not. You know, at some point, at the end of the day, you got to cover somebody and make a play. You know, I mean, I have Gonzalez going later. I don't love him mm-hmm. as much as other people do. I think there's other corners in the draft that will end up being better. But I just don't – to me, Witherspoon's tough. Gonzalez is kind of – Really a good athlete, but sometimes we overvalue athleticism at corner for playmate. A corner is an instinctive position. It's mm-hmm. not all just get the best athlete and make him a corner. It's a balanced 
instinctive position. You got to be able to jump off one foot and make a play. You got to stay in balance down the field. You got to have instincts to know when the ball's coming. You got to have playmaking skills. I mean, those are hard things to find. They're just not, your mama lifts you from the crib. You either have them or you don't. At number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders can go in a number of directions. Now, I think the Raiders go, they have to go kind of with somebody that is clean. You know, if they didn't have Josh Jacobs, I would say Bijan Robinson's either the easy pick because he's clean, he's a good player. They know what they're going to get. They're going to finally get a first-round pick that's going to get on the field and play well. You know, so I'll take Skronsky here, the offensive tackle. They could put him at right tackle. That would finally give them a really good tackle to go along with it. Would they like a defensive player? I'm sure they would. Is there anyone left? Who? You know, Nolan Smith's a Sam linebacker. You can't take him. Murphy from Clemson, you know, may go a little bit later now. But, I mean, that's not going to get it done. I think they, they have to hit with this. They have to get a starter. You know, and whether Skronsky's a guard or a tackle, he's going to be a good player, so take him. Well, that's my issue here is that we got some tackles on the board that we could go and trade down for. Why are we taking a guy who might be a guard? Well, because maybe the phone's not going to ring. Maybe somebody don't want to come up. Now, now maybe if Nick wants to come up to 12 and pick Anthony Rob, Ant Richardson, then to go ahead and give him the deal. I think at seven, the Raiders would be open for business for the quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, because assuming there's enough tackles on the board left to where they could go. Because if they go down to 12, what are, the, what are we going to get when we get to 12? Yeah. You don't want to be wiped out right. at that point. But I think this is a dream scenario for the Raiders. If if all of the three quarterbacks are there at seven, there should be somebody that's desperate enough to come and move up. But I wouldn't count on it. Wouldn't count on it? So let's, let's I mean, I think maybe, maybe you you know, seven, but to go from 19 to seven is expensive. And 19 right now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Mm. Tampa, huh? Jason mm. Light, is he, is, he, is he making phone calls? I think Jason Light has to do something to preserve – the future of the franchise there. They're in such bad cap shape. They they have really, you know, I could see them trading for Trey Lance. I could see them doing that. I could see them doing anything to be able to say to the Glazer family, look, we got our quarterback of the future. Let me build, rebuild the team. Because I think right now where his team is, it's heading in a spiral down. They're going to have to. And the one thing that gives a general manager more length is a young quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, well. Ryan Pace tried to do that as well. But twice. You don't get twice at that. Yeah, that's true. You don't get two bites of the apple. But Tampa Bay had a hell of a run with Tom Brady. I think a lot of teams would trade no, that No, I mean, in. I think that's yeah. what he did. I mean, they, yeah. and they spent a lot of money on the cap, yeah. and they did it knowingly, and now they have cap issues. Yeah. And right. they got to pay the piper, just like the Rams are paying the piper. I mean, the Rams' cap troubles aren't over yet. Oh, I think they're just beginning. Yeah. <laughs> they're just beginning. But at least the Super Bowl is shiny in the office, and it looks really nice. Atlanta Falcons now on the clock. So we have Young, Wilson, Carter, Johnson, Anderson, Witherspoon, and Skaronsky now off the board. Where do we go here? You know, I, I, this is a hard one for Atlanta because Atlanta needs an outside defensive. They need another rusher. Could they take Murphy from Clemson? Maybe. You know, I mean, they need a receiver. There's no receiver to take here that you would like, yeah, right? They need an inside defensive tackle. They're not going to take the pit kid here. It's too early, I think. You know, I think they are they are really a team that would trade down based on this scenario. Uh, you know, I, I think could they take an offensive tackle? Yeah, I do. Everybody has them taking B. John Robinson. I, I don't see that. I mean, I, I initially thought that. I don't see that. I, I think, to me, the play for them – would be they traded for Akuda, so that means they would like a Gonzalez. I, I would give them Gonzalez here. Ooh, okay, I like it. So, I just don't see them. To me, it doesn't set up for a position for them. They don't need a tackle, right? 
Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they don't need you know they they need an outside rusher. They need a wide receiver. They need a defensive tackle. They could use an OT. Could they take it? They could use a linebacker. I, I don't see them taking Nolan Smith as the eighth pick over. Oh, no. So here, let's talk about Nolan. Georgia Smith. fans might want that. Let's talk about Nolan Smith for a second. Nolan mm-hmm. Smith plays Sam linebacker. He's 238 pounds. He only played like 200 plays last year. All right, so you say, well, we'll take him, we'll make him a Sam backer. There is no such thing as a Sam backer. I think the biggest misconception about the NFL today is everybody still talks about downs. First down. He's a first down linebacker, second down linebacker, third down. Downs are irrelevant. Downs are completely irrelevant. It's personnel groupings. So you ask yourself, what personnel groupings would this guy stay on the field? All right, so if you're in 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, where's Nolan Smith playing? We're not playing base to 11, so there's no Sam linebacker. If he plays down, he's 238 pounds. They're going to run the ball right up his ass. So where does he play? Like where, what Like what formation does he – well, he's a DPR now. He, we're not going to be the true traditional Pete Carroll. We're going to play a Sam backer at the end of the line. Mm-hmm. Remember Bruce, Bryce Bruce, Irvin Bruce, and Bruce all, Irvin, yeah. all those guys, right? That's kind of where – but nobody can play that anymore because on first down, they're in 11. On on second down, they're in 11. You know, nobody's in 21 anymore. So, like, this whole notion of first and second down is ridiculous. If scouts still talk about it, they don't understand – they're not paying attention to the league. The league is about what personnel groups are on the field. And even when that happens, even if they were in 21, let's say San Francisco's in 21 – and they got McCaffrey and some and another back back there. They're really an eleven. You want a Sam backer on the field against that? That's what they want you to be in. Yeah. So I don't know where to go with Atlanta. I'd put Gonzalez there. Man, but to be devil's advocate for Nolan Smith, the athleticism, those numbers Great. are off the charts. Off the charts. Off the charts. Wonderful. Always hurt. Always in the hoodie at the coin toss. Okay. Always with the hoodie at the coin toss, and those, that numbers don't come off to the field. Like, where are we going? Like, uh, like where? how do we play them? Okay, you say, well, we're, we're a 34 team. We'll play up a 34 outside linebacker. Okay, when are we in 34? Against 21. They're not in 21. So we're, they're in 11. We don't play 34 to 11. We're going to walk him out on space in 11 if he's the slot? I mean, that's what you want him to be. You want him to be out there. So now he's got to be a DPR. He's 238 pounds. He's going to run the ball up his ass. Remember, if you can run the ball to the weak side in, in, in 11 personnel where you have a blocker at, at the slot receiver, a bigger mm-hmm. guy, you got a chance to really run. If you have a left tackle that can, pass, that can run block, shit, that's even better. Yeah. I mean, trust me, they're going to sit there and look at him and say, fuck, we'll just run the ball over here. You know, it's 330-pound left tackle blocking Nolan Smith. To run him out. Yeah. We got to get him off the field now. We got to put a bigger guy out there, and so he's only going to be an eleven bunny or eleven rabbit, which is the eleven when it's definitely pass. So two, now he's a DPR, two minute, yeah. two minute drill. Yeah. yeah, now he's a DPR. So how many plays does that add up to? Okay, so that adds up to five hundred plays for the C, four hundred fifty plays. You want to use the seventh pick, eighth pick on a four hundred play guy? No, we can't do that in the top ten. And then try to tell him he's got to play special teams too. We can't do I mean, that. You can time. do that. You're a good lawyer. <laughs> yeah, not that good. <laughs> All right, well, we'll pass on Nolan Smith. We're going to go with Christian Gonzalez at 8 to Atlanta to kind of shore up that secondary that has made a lot of additions. I'm sure the fans down in Atlanta excited about what they have defensively there. Chicago, the original holders of the number one overall pick, moved down to nine. Carter's gone. Anderson's gone. We have Paris Johnson and Skaronsky gone. I know a lot of people wanted Skaronsky, the Northwestern kid, to go to Chicago. Easy pick we're, here. We're getting easy wiped pick. out a little bit. So we're getting Broderick easy Jones. Pick? It's easy. They okay. need a left tackle. They're going to take the kid. 
It's an easy pick. I mean, he's down here at nine. He's got no chance at a tackle. There's no defensive player here. He's got to take Broderick Jones. I mean, he's got to take it. He needs a tackle. I mean, the guy's been sacked 91 times in two years. That's that's a lot. of why, Now, why not Darnell Wright? Because when I turned on the tape, Alabama and Tennessee, I saw Darnell Wright he is kicking good. Will Anderson's ass, who just went in the top I just five. think Broderick Jones has a bigger ceiling. You know, as a former basketball player, I think he's really athletic. I think he could run block. He's played guard and tackle. I just think he has a bigger ceiling. Okay. I mean, I, I like Darnell Wright in that tape, too. Just isn't as consistent. I mean, you can go there. I mean, that doesn't bother me. No. Well, let's go Broderick Jones. We'll go with the Georgia right. kid. He's got the pedigree there. Although Wright is also a big-time recruit as well. Played uh, well that last season at Tennessee. The Philadelphia Eagles, the defending NFC champions, picking in the top 10. That doesn't seem fair, but yeah, does, kudos to the GM. <laughs> I mean, I think, look, they, they need a rusher they could use. Could they, take Mur- could they take the Murphy kid from Clemson? Could they take Nolan Smith? A lot of people haven't taken Nolan Smith. I don't see it. Because I don't know how he gets on the field for them, you know, uh, because they're always ahead. Remember, they had such a first-half point differential, so they're always going to be in some form of nickel. You know, where does is he a DPR? You know, it's great to have some guy that runs that fast, but can he get on the field? I, I think, to me, they take B. John Robinson. It's easy. Ooh. It's safe. Although, I would say this about Philly. I would say this about Philly. If I'm Howie and I ha- – and I got a chance to get to. Uh, I got a chance to get Jalen Carter to go with Jordan Davis and repair my defensive line. I trade up to go get him. Mm. So let's say if Carter gets to say he gets the say he gets the gets yeah, past say, Seattle. Yeah, if he gets past Seattle, I'm, I'm. I mean, I would even try to trade a three. Wow, I mean, you're high on Carter. You have him uh, because I'm high on Carter because it's as Al Davis said. There's how many human beings on planet Earth? The three techniques. Planet theory. So with the off the field stuff. Also, in I part think Cowie probably feels like he can manage it. He's got Jordan Davis. He's got you know Dean. He's got all these guys there. And look, he he's built his whole program on defensive line. That is true. You know, now it would have cost him that extra the thirtieth pick over on the draft to go up to get that. I think it would be worth it. I mean, so let's put it out there. Who are you picking at thirty? Say he stays. So basically, I've traded Jordan Day. I traded. I got Carter, mm-hmm. and I traded. You know, whoever they pick at, at 10, say they pick an offensive tackle at 10. You know, let's say they pick, I traded right and, you know, at a tight end. Say I, they take uh, Mayer. Mm-hmm. All right, so I traded right and Mayer for, for, uh, for Carter. I'd make that deal. I'd make that deal too. I'd make that deal all, all day, every day. Now, playing the role of Howie, not Howie Roseman, but sorry, Jeffrey Lurie, Philadelphia Eagles owner. I'm looking at Nolan Smith. I see the athleticism. I know that we talk about pass rush. We always want to get to the quarterback. That's how we've built our, our Super Bowl runs. We won the Super Bowl back in 2017 with the pass rush. We almost did it this past season with the pass rush. Comparing the athletic and physical profiles of Nolan Smith and our star, Hassan Reddick. Both guys, Nolan Smith is actually taller, 6'2 and a quarter. Reddick, 6'1 and a half. Reddick is 237, Smith 238. Arm length, pretty similar as well. Reddick, just a little bit longer, 32 and three quarters, while Nolan Smith is 32 and five eighths. Yeah, remember, Reddick had a hard time in Arizona. He, he did. didn't get his career going until he got to Carolina. You know, and I oh, think Reddick's college tape was better. Temple was. Temple, yeah. yeah it was, I, I thought it was. But, you know, I mean, you can certainly make that case. I think to me, you know, I, I think when I watch Smith, I think he's going to have a hard time pow- against big tackles. He's going to have a hard time powering them back. I think he's going to, you know, at some point, you got to play with power. You just can't run up the field past people. Otherwise, you just run yourself out of the play. Yeah. So, 
At 10, what do we want? We're going to do Bijan? I got them Bijan, yeah. Man. And I would alert them to be a trade-up team. So Philly. I mean, let me see. I got to go through my notes here. Hold on one second. Let's just, let's just break this down here for a second. Because they do have the ammo to trade up with two first-round picks. All right. They have a roster that's pretty well put together. Yeah, they do. I mean, Bijan Robinson, we talk about luxury picks. I mean, <laughs> that would be the ultimate luxury pick for a team that is already really good at running the football. I think you can put a lot of running backs behind that offensive line with Jalen Hurts, what he's able to do with the movement stuff and the six-back offense. That run game is always going to be a threat. And now you're talking about adding possibly right, the best So how he's been there 12 the years, 10 to 14 and 16 to 23. He had the sabbatical with, with, Butch, with Chip, Chip Kelly. Kelly. Okay, yeah. so according to my trade chart, he's made 39 total trades. You know, he's averages about three and three trades a year. He's traded up in that time. He's traded he's traded down. Uh, he's traded down twenty-two times. He's traded up thirteen. And he's traded for a player. So he, he's pretty active. I mm -hmm. mean, he's gonna be pretty I mean, he's one of the most active traders in the in the draft. I mean, you know, between him and Balky and you know, I mean, I think Chicago, I think Poles will make some trades. I think, obviously, Belichick will make a ton of trades. Yeah. Belichick, you know, will trade down. If that, I'm sure he'll trade down. You know, I don't think – I think Bill's traded up once, if I remember correctly, twice for Chandler Jones and Hightower, and that's really Pretty been good it. Players. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty solid. I mean, he's traded up in other rounds, but I'm yeah. talking about the first, first round. round. Yeah, because it comes with a little bit more of a price in the first round, so – Eagles definitely can. I think they're a trade-up trade team, and I think I think at eleven and twelve are trade-up teams. But I also think if they get shut out, I think eleven and twelve are trade-down teams too. I don't think Philly would trade down. I don't know how many more picks Philly needs to get yeah. because they have a really good roster. That's where, to me, if you're Philly and you got you got you signed your quarterback, you know the cost of that. You get a blue chip defensive lineman like Carter, and you think you can manage him. I think it's worth it. So in this scenario that we just kicked around here, we have one quarterback that has been off the board in the first 10 picks. Yeah. And once again, this is not like a traditional mock draft. This is the Michael Lombardi, what he would do inside the building if he was running those drafts. And you've said it all along. This goes right in line with what you've been saying about how there's a one, a one quarterback, quarterback draft. draft. Yeah. It's a one quarterback. And I'm, and I'm saying it based on the college grading system that I believe in. And if you, you know, to me, it's funny, Nick Bosa made Nick Bosa should be the representative. Everybody should play the Nick Bosa sound that Steve Kime was quoted as saying he said to him when Nick Bosa told Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, You're gonna regret me, you're gonna regret me if you take that little quarterback. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, like, look, at some point, I know you need a quarterback. I know, I know, I know we need one. You can't win without one. However, you can't you, – if you take the guy and still need a player at the position, that's the worst place to be. When you draft a player, you want to satisfy a need. That's why we have the need chart. We've satisfied that need. Okay? But when you take Levis, you take Richardson, you take Stroud, you haven't satisfied the need. You think you have, but you haven't. Now, my pushback would be that we do have a couple of teams that can be patient with those guys in Seattle and Detroit – with Geno Smith and Jared Goff already as the incumbent starters, you might need the guy maybe three years down the line here, but you can at least develop them in year one behind those established starters to where maybe in year two, when you want to move on from Geno Smith, who his contract, they can easily move on from yeah, right. the way that they I mean, it all depends on where John sees the quarterback. 
you know, it all depends on that. They've had success having multiple quarterbacks. Like when they took Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. I, I can remember saying, how are they going to give all those quarterbacks reps? They got Wilson in the third. They traded for Matt Flynn, and they and they, tra- they they signed Matt Flynn as a UFA, and they traded for Charlie Whitehurst. And I'm sitting there saying, how are they going to give them all the reps? And they worked their way through it. So, I mean, the history says they should, they could do it. Mm-hmm. I just, to me, from my viewpoint, I don't think it's a good, you know. Yeah. But I respect the hell out of John, and if he thinks that he can, he thinks he sees it differently than I do, then God bless him. Yeah. I just don't see it that way. Well, you know, I mean, Schneider, he comes from that Ron Wolf tree of always right. taking I mean, quarterback. John, and what I like about John more than anything is John doesn't let any outside influences bother him. 100%. I mean, John could easily take somebody that Mel has targeted in the 20s. The, yeah, at, 40s. He could give a shit. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really healthy. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, you can also find some, like we said, that 2012 draft, everybody gave it a bad grade. It ended up being the draft that helped propel them to win the Super Bowl. And he had Bowl. a great draft last year. So, you know, like, I mean, to me, it, I think to me it's, Sometimes you pay a price for winning. When you're not when you're picking down there in the twenties all the time, it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to find a three technique, you're trying to find an outside pass rusher, you're taking chances on guys. It's a harder proposition than people think it is. The cool thing about the draft, I think, is that it's the ultimate Rorschach test. It's like you see what you want to see in these players. Yeah. And and it's like, okay, you can see all the negatives, but you can also flip that picture around and say, Oh, these are all the positives. Even with Will Levis, who a guy who I'm not super high on. You can see the big time ability, and the, the the he's a good athlete as well. I think his athleticism it doesn't get talked about enough because there's plays on tape where he makes some of those nice runs there. Yeah, like, you can see that stuff, but then you also see play breaks down, pressure. Uh oh, it looks like a deer in the headlights. Yeah, I mean, and again, he's one of those guys that really, to me, it's one of those things for me at a quarterback that is really a violation of my code of quarterbacks is when if you practice it in practice and it goes that way in the game he looks really good mm-hmm. it's when you practice it and it doesn't go that way he looks like shit and that's uh, where and that's the nfl you can't script the game if you could script the game mitchell trubisky would be a good quarterback mvp he would be the mvp if you could script the game i'm sure trey lance would be good too but you can't you can't practice the way the game's going to go there has to be a feel an instinct a rhythm I don't see rhythm in Levis's game. I don't see rhythm in, in in Stroud's game. I watched Stroud again yesterday. I was watching some other players in the Big Ten, and I was like, there's a lot of throws with, with Stroud for as perceived accurate as he is. There's a lot of throws that I would say Brett Favre would call a more of a through-the-door throws than keyhole throws. Mm. I mean, it's just, look, when when you're a great quarterback, like, like you don't throw the ball. If, if you're a quarterback – and you have a receiver open on a stick route, let's say, and you know the tackler is coming from the outside in, you throw the ball on the inside. If you know the tackler's coming, so you you can pinpoint where you want to throw the ball. You have a command. You're Greg Maddox back there. If you don't have that, it's you're going to throw more interceptions than you care to think about. It's hard. And you're going to get receivers blown up. Yeah, you got to protect your guys out there. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to be throwing. With accuracy. Yeah. With your accuracy to yeah. protect the players. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to throw a hospital ball. I think that sometimes fans see that. They're like, oh, he threw that behind. It's like, no, he threw that because he didn't want his guy to run into this exactly. guy that's coming over to, just exactly. to take his head off. Exactly. So that's that's what it is. Last point here before we close this out on the podcast. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, it's draft week, so yeah. he's got to be I in think, the news. I would say 90% he gets <laughs> traded. To me, all the bluffing's over with, right? I mean, yeah. at some point. It's down to the nitty-gritty. Oh, Mr. Murph. I mean, Big Daddy's outraged. Like, Big Daddy yeah. wants. He, Big Daddy always wants to blame Goot. I'm like. 
Big Daddy, leave Goot alone, please. Just focus on getting my bathroom ready to go. Like, leave Goot alone so I can go home. You know, like, leave Goot alone. It ain't Goot's fault. It's Mr. Murphy. I think Murphy's going to, Goot finally will be able to say to Murph, hey, Murph, like, we're going to get, I, you, let me get these two players and help our team. I mean, if I'm LaFour, I'm like, look, we're, he's not coming back. Get, let's get some help this year. We need it. Because yeah. you know what's going to happen? If you wait till next year, there'll be somebody else coaching that team. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you don't want if you're if you're uh, your boy Matt Lafleur. So uh, we expect Aaron Rodgers to be traded at some point this week, at least. I think so. No deal is quote unquote imminent, according no, to no. But I just know in the tea leaves of the done. league yeah. that you know. Remember, fear does the work of reason. It always does. And if I'm Joe Douglas, you know, I want to get it done, but I really don't. I really don't. I, I would rather let the draft get. I would at least let Friday get over with. Mm-hmm. Then I start talking Saturday, but I don't think he can bluff that way. Yeah, I said, hey, how about next year's picks? How about no? I'll see you guys later. Uh, but once again, this week, we'll have three episodes on the podcast. So we have this episode. We'll have an episode Thursday morning, the yeah. morning of the draft, to kind of give our last thoughts about what will happen, some predictions about what will happen later on Thursday evening with the first round. And then Friday morning, we'll react to the first round of the draft. All 31 picks, because the Dolphins were tampering, only 31 of them. We will react to all 31 of those picks Friday morning on the pod. So you're getting three pods this week. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Michael will be here in Vegas. Yeah. A lot of fun. Uh, I've been here all for a while, freezing my ass off, but I've been here. (laughs) Maybe they'll put some draft props up here in Vegas. Who knows? Maybe we'll see that happen. But as always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to all the viewers and listeners out there. We appreciate all the support. We see you guys. We hear you guys. Uh, Keep pumping up those numbers for the pod because we really do appreciate it. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, on the ones and twos. Thank you to you, Michael. And then I will talk to you on Thursday, which will be draft day. And I'm sure we will have some extra news about somebody emerging as a number two overall. And we'll probably have Anthony Richardson going five. Who knows? (laughs) 